You're listening to the Driven by Design podcast. I'm Mark Bergen, the founder of Driven by Design, and joining me is Kirsten Mann. Hey, Mark, how are you going? Look, Kirsten, I'm very well. Now, for our friends in the Northern Hemisphere, I'm terribly sorry. It's We're in Australia. We've been having summer holidays, and everyone knows what happens on summer break. You get to recalibrate and you get to reposition. Well, supposedly you say that, but last week in Melbourne has been insane with the number of events that are taking place at the moment. Well, it has been in Melbourne. It also has been in the other cities that we're in. And it's been astounding to go see. I got a feeling that we're actually seeing people hitting the accelerator and just changing up gears this mm. year. It's, it's fantastic. Right early. Yeah, I, well, I, because but for them, it's early for us because it's the new year and you've come back from summer break. But in the Northern Hemisphere, it's a continuance of, mm. there was a little guy with a you know beard and a bit of a fat belly and he was there for a week and get back to work. It's it just is. been cold. So it's good to see that we're past that cold snap in, uh, in the Northern Hemisphere. But I'd have to say, feeling very much like an 80s radio DJ, it's a hot podcast that we've got today. <laughs> that was terrible. <laughs> you can take the boy out of the 80s, but you can't take the 80s out of the boy. Unfortunately. Yeah, I know. <laughs> So, so what's been happening in the uh, Oracle A-Connects world? Well, we just had a massive um, construction engineering technology summit. And so that saw, you know, organisations from across Australia um, come down to Melbourne and join us for an industry event. And we got to see all different types of happenings in the construction and engineering industry. So it was pretty fantastic. I think seeing where people are at and the journey they're taking and the experiences they're trying to create, we're all trying to do the same things, right? A better living. So I remember it was, and, and listeners, you will hear us continually talking about this idea of a better future. Mm. Um, last year we began a, a series of profiles and also some positioning around being champions for a better future. And it helps to go and actually change that it's actually about an experience economy that we're in rather than artifact economy. And I think we've seen that over the last five years because now it all comes down to the experience. All the projects we're going to talk about today, we're focusing on what the experiential values are because anybody who follows Maslow's hierarchy, you get up into the past the basic needs and then you get into, okay, it's just a bit nice, and then you wind up in you know, self-actualization self We're hell. right up there. <laughs> and and what, we, what we now have is that self-actualization is happening in the way that customers are experiencing products. We're going to have a little bit of a look here and we'll, we'll indulge a bit about how the health system's changing and, uh, and how that's now getting experiential values in it, which means there's tension in health because mm -hmm. it used to be all about science, clinical outcomes and funding. And now experience, communications and that old health system is what makes up someone's health experience. And you go, well, that we, we need to make sure it's contemporary because that's what will make people feel that they're well rather than actually being clinically sorted out. Mm. And, and so that's going to be a, a very interesting conversation. Well, I suppose on that theme, we should jump into our first one, which I love the title of, by the way. You love uh, you, Guts. You guts. like this? Okay, it's, so, it's, it kind of says what it's talking about, right? Yeah, so, so the Guts project here is about ostomy bags. Um, and <laughs> a very sexy topic. Okay. So for <laughs> listeners, if you're not familiar, um, there's two different clinical conditions. Uh, one is called an ileostomy and the other one is called a colostomy. And they have to do with what position in the bowel or the intestines has been interrupted. And it's a way to go and actually ha help people who have either got a temporary uh, need for one of these bags or they have a permanent one. 
I actually have a father who for 53 years has had one of these because he had a... It's astounding. Well, actually, what's astounding is that I actually have a father. Right. Um, so if, if you go think about that, saying, oh, actually, we didn't want to put a bag on the front of you and sorry, there's no father, or it's actually we're going to put this bag here, which is life extending because mm. the other option was that he wasn't with us. So, so this is incredible it medical is. technology. Well, and it is, but what's really interesting about that is his life was extended, but how has his experience been? And well, and so so I'll go into remembering, because a couple of the photos that we've got here um, reminded me of when we were kids. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, we all know there is nothing glamorous about a father who wears his bathers up above their oh, belly gee. button. Yeah. But to cover the bag, he would do that. But the, and then you're saying as a kid, I'd rather my dad be at the beach with me mm. wearing very unflattering bathers rather than actually then showing a bag which has got feces in it. Mm, and going, and so that's not... So, so what has surprised me is the same crap technology that was given to my father 53 years ago as the, as the types of bags is basically what's here now. But this is what these guys are yeah, starting to and, address. And so this is really interesting. This project here turns around and actually works on the dignity mm. and the lifestyle values that come out from actually being able to have a couple of options. Well, it's kind of what you were saying before, that they're actually, you're surviving a life if you just, like, that's what your dad did, right? He was basically living, but it wasn't necessarily supporting his lifestyle. It, and so then, and there's also the second generation issues where there's a certain amount of embarrassment for the uh, you know, for his children about their father actually not being the same as others. And there isn't a pride moment there. And there isn't the freedom to fully express yourself. And so you go, okay, so there's, there's a range of disabilities mm. that get stacked up. And what this project has tried to do is actually work out how to break down some of those and give more enablement to people because what, when we normally think of disabilities, we don't think about how can we just modify one of the products or one of the services they've got to go give them more enablement. And that's, one, that's one of the things I really like about, the, about this project is it's got this depth of humanity, it's helping with the experience for the person who has this condition or and has it, And it's, lives it's not focused on just science, right? They're exactly. actually focusing it's on the, the, the health system and the experience. Yeah. Totally. And, and, and I think Guts is an amazing project and listeners, you please go look at the, at the photographs there. there although what it's dealing with isn't the most you know, pleasant topic. There is nothing which is untoward. It's actually very rewarding to go look at it. Fantastic. Well, this takes us to our next project. I was actually talking about this week, last week. At you the, were um, talking about at the Construction Technology Summit. The Optus Stadium project, which and is pretty impressive, I've got to say. Now, listeners, I, I don't think there's, we're finding any projects, and not by accident, but everyone seems to be on the AKNX platform. But <laughs> what is really interesting is that this project here, which has been done by Hassel Cox and HKS, mm -hmm. the project actually, I also had the opportunity to have a presentation from Cox Architecture where they went and explained it. And what I found really interesting is stadiums are such big entities. Mm. And what you were explaining in your talk was actually about the loading and the unloading aside, the people flow around the stadium. Mm. What the Cox guys were interested to talk about was the when the stadium isn't being used or is just being approached, that people are getting a range of different experiences coming up to this blob 
on, in the environment. Well, and that's the thing. It could have just been a stadium, right? But what they've thought about is how do they design the whole precinct as well? And so, you know, it's got, it's a really amazing thing. It's almost like, I think they call it the cathedral in Perth because you've got running tracks and restaurants and public art displays around this. And it could have just been, as you said, a blob in the middle of nowhere that people come to. But they've really thought, What's the experiences that can be had around this in times that aren't just about events? And and so events are really interesting if you if you'd go into the on the event day, loading people into a stadium and unloading from a stadium can double their the time that it takes them to attend their mm -hmm. enjoyment. So if you can actually get people to get instant gratification that they've come off some mass transit and a train or mm -hmm. a bus and then they're right at their seat in the stadium, they're actually in enjoyment much faster. And then when you actually can do the opposite at the end of the game, that you've got them back on their transport, heading to where they are, you might have taken a couple of hours out of their day, which is the difference between saying, I've got to get up early in the morning, I won't go. It's, uh, I won't get there because it's too soon after work or it's on the weekend and I've got something I'm doing with the family elsewhere and I won't be able to get to the game because of that load time or I won't be able to get back to go do something in the evening. So so yeah, it changes attendance. Was, totally. And I also think that, I mean, this, these guys used a fan-first design approach and they said, what will make people feel like they are the critical part of that critical experience? So things like public transport takes them right to the front of that stadium, which think about other stadiums, right, where you're schlepping for miles to get to the actual event. And as you said, it all adds to that time. Being distributed straight into the event and the experience, I think it's fantastic what these guys have done. So we're jumping over the planet here. We started off in, in Europe with uh, with Guts. We've come across to Perth in Australia. We're, we're going to go back now up into Norway, and we're going to have a look here at the powerhouse uh, Drøbank uh, Montessori School. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, I think I did an okay attempt at trying to get my Norwegian out um, <laughs> here. And, it, and this is a project by Powerhouse and Snurheader. And uh, we've seen this. Uh, the now, aren't these the guys that did the one in Antarctica as they well? They did. And, uh, and so what I like about this project is that Montessori is actually a value-based school system. Mm -hmm. And they've actually taken that values-based approach and said, let's make sure that the energy that's used in this building meets the values that we've got of a better future and a sustainable future. So they're building experiences in accordance with their values, basically. Exactly. And you go, so there's a congruence there. Mm. And that congruence, actually, if you think about Norway, going, how did Norway get all of its, its sovereign fund? Where did mm -hmm. all of that money come from? Oil. Mm. But Norway's woken up and they've gone, oh, maybe we shouldn't be actually doing everything. Okay, yep. It's not part of a better future. <laughs> we've now understood where the wealth came from, but let's go and make sure that we're doing things which are, you know, are here for a better future. So they're doing this fantastic thing where they're working out how to go and make a building which is, has a roof angle of 33 degrees, so it's the optimal angle to go and actually get sun incidence. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting with solar panels in cold climates, they actually perform better than solar panels in warm climates because the solar panel, the PV panel, it degradates its quality as it heats up. 
So the fact that you're actually got, you might have lower sun, but they're getting more efficiency out of them in these cold environments. So, you know, in Australia, our panels are running much less efficient, uh, they're much less efficient than they are in these much colder climes. Oh. And it's great to go see the fact that they're actually talking about buildings in how many kilowatts it produces a year. And they're saying, well, if we're not using it, it's going into the grid. But the reality is we are a energy neutral building. And, and no doubt that's, that's going to come into the syllabus of the Montessori program as well. And yeah. so you're educating kids for the future too. And so I think, you know, they're really demonstrating there we're trying to make better humans and we're trying to make sure we're in underpinning a better future for all of them, which is brilliant. So it's a stellar project. Well, from there, we're going across the globe again. Where are we you're, going? You're jumping everywhere at the moment, aren't you? So we've, we've kind of gone a bit around the globe and we'll go to one now which is a Chilean name but we're not sure if it's actually located in Chile. Yeah I th I'd say, and, and so I think what's interesting here with uh, Patagonia that we're going to go talk about is that Patagonia is a company that makes things for people who want to go out and walk in forests and see bees and see insects and go on you know trails and see fish in rivers and it's pretty hard to sell your customers more gear if there's no insects and there's no fish in the river. Well, yeah, so you kind of need to be interested in, in maintaining the environment, <laughs> it's, it's, right? Yeah, it's kind of like a petrol head not having petrol. If you're, if you're in the Patagonia camp, you kind of want the environment to be there and in it with biodiversity. And I think what's fantastic about this is that these guys have tapped completely into that and they're thinking about the impact of the products that they're producing and also their audience, like what's actually going to appeal to these guys. So they've done a really good job in saying okay exactly as you said we're here for people who want to go and experience the environment how are we going to make sure that we're designing experiences and products that support that and you know uh, what the, the statement starts off with just this line we're in the business to save our home planet mm -hmm. which is a bit daunting there. Yeah, it's quite a, quite a mission there. Huh? I think they might have been having a word to Elon Musk and that they've got <laughs> and Bezos, and they've worked out that um, maybe we are colonising somewhere else. But what I love about this, and you and I did a panel last week about um, design in the boardroom, yeah. and it's clear that this culture and values is for this organisation is coming from the boardroom and is in being enthused into the culture of the organisation. And we, and we know, and I had a lovely conversation with, uh, with the team at McKinsey in Sydney uh, last week, and they, and they were telling me that anecdotally they're one of the big choke areas that they find on projects is that it gets choked in the boardroom because the board aren't familiar with either the design and experiential concepts and that there's actually some skill development and enablement that needs to happen there. But you know, in this case, you've got a vision statement which is coming from the board, mm. from the founder saying, mm -hmm. we are going to value this. In fact, they've taken a huge chunk of cash and they've decided that they're gonna put it Behind, behind the initiative that they've got. So it's like 10 million or something, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and uh, I suppose in Patagonian dollars, I'm not sure if you bought any of this stuff, but uh, I think they might have $10 million pretty easily, right. okay? But, so, you know, so, the yeah, so they've got that, but what they're trying to go do is make a statement which is we want to go and actually do better. And, and I was interested when I was in New York with, uh, with our design champions at the New York Design Awards, and we were talking about this dilemma of what happens when you've got a corporate who may not have had best practice mm -hmm. and they're now deciding to go get 
best practice? Do you turn around and say, oh no, because of some of the past things? Or because there's not an immediately solvable solution that we don't try to go and push for a better future? So there's some dilemmas there. And I think the ultimate test case comes on the idea of gambling machines. Okay. <laughs> so we know gambling machines are designed to go and actually mm -hmm. give rush and they mm -hmm. use a whole range of, of psychological tricks. Mm -hmm. But because they're psychological tricks, we can monitor them and we can tell when it's unsafe for somebody to be doing this. And we could detune the machines so the person who's susceptible is not just being turned off. Mm -hmm. So the, uh, the idea that we could have safe gaming, like we have safe cars, and that you could go bring in a do less harm, make this safe for people who are, who are vulnerable, but everybody else can have enjoyment, is possible in gaming. But imagine taking on that job with your peers and saying, I'm going to be the experience designer at a gaming company. Mm. And people would say, but aren't they the worst people on the planet? And say, they might have been but they're trying to get better. Yep. And so I think, I think what I want to do with the, the guys here at Patagonia is say, it's 10 mil, it's not a huge amount. They haven't said it's a bill, they haven't said it's you know, 10 mil. They've turned around and they've actually said it's 10 million that they're putting in and they want to go and actually make sure that they're saving the home planet. We need to give them the benefit of the doubt. We need to see the acceleration that they've got. But as far as leadership from the boardroom, it's exactly the right message. And I think that's what we need to celebrate with them is and, that they're showing the right messages. Exactly, and case studies and things to share with people that this stuff is possible. Now we're getting to our final project of our final five that are uh, that have picked up gold in this and this month's now awards. Now this is the high fly plastic free flight. Now, now Kirsten, this <laughs> year I have a feeling that at the end of the year you and I are going to look at our miles that we've done in the air. <laughs> And, 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 we're, and we'll try to outdo each other. And all it means is one of us has been away from family longer. But I, am, I find it terrible when I get on an aeroplane. And there's so much plastic. There's so much wasted food. There's so much mm -hmm. waste, waste, waste everywhere. I try to do what I can to reduce the amount of air miles of people who are in the network. So mm -hmm. I'll travel to them rather than getting them all to travel to us. Mm -hmm. Um, I try to do whatever I can to, to walk or tread gently. And this is great to go see here that the high fly plastic free flight, which is a tongue twister as you said, is how do you get zero plastic in the air? Well, and look, this is, it's a really interesting example of, you know, how do you not compromise your value system, which is kind of what you just outlined there. And which was kind of connected to our last one too, right? And like, also to and the Montessori and exactly. also, you know, so we're so all of value them systems, experiences supporting value systems. And what's really interesting here is that uh, this resonated for me because I went to Brazil a couple of years ago and was just astounded by the sheer waste like waste and the consumption of the, everything was in styrofoam and plastic. And you just forget, you forget that it wasn't that long ago that it was like that in Australia, in the US. So we have come a long way. And what I love about this is that it's an organisation that's really trying to say, what are the, what do our customers want? What do they need? And what's, you know, kind of not sitting with them at the moment? And how can we kind of help that? So they're kind of leading the way for travel. This kind of quite small oriented company is coming in at left field and saying, hey, we're going to be leaders in and this we, area. And, you, and you'll see that happen because if you're a smaller carrier, you can do something like this because your logistics are probably at a different scale. 
If you're somebody who's a major global network and you've got food services coming out of 10 different ports with third-party providers who are doing it, multi-year negotiations mm -hmm. on contracts, degree of difficulty has gone up dramatically. Whereas a smaller, less you know, cogs in the machine operator can turn around and say, well, let's go and actually be thought leaders here. Our thought leaders on that better future when in air travel. And, and that's and great. about that, right? Like it's, it is thinking about a better future because a lot of the innovations that we've seen in the travel industry have been around fair pricing, you know, like basically making travel affordable. Or as we said, in-flight systems are better now and in-flight entertainment or booking systems. But how are those helping our future? So I think this is why this is our winner. It is. And listeners, that's going to be a wrap for us because we know that you've got to go get back to your busy lives. But we do encourage you, think about your expedition to a better future. Work out how you can make a difference. And most importantly, encourage and enthuse others to do likewise. Kirsten, thanks for your time. Thanks, Mark.